0: we'll go to Ephesians chapter 4 here in a moment as we continue through our theme for the year Christ at the center Colossians 1 says that he is the head of the body the church who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead that in all things he might have the preeminence we have the opportunity as individuals and as a church to continue the focus of making Christ preeminent he wants to be First, he deserves first place. And here on Celebration Sunday, I want to just remind us why it's so important what we're doing. Uh, we're 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 raising money. We are uh, preparing for what? Uh, well, we're not just building a playground. We're not just um, paving the parking lot, although that might be definitely necessary. It's coming, Lord willing. Uh, it's, it's not um, anything trivial that we are on the cusp of doing. We are improving the facilities that God has given us and expanding uh, uh, this, this uh, church house, not the church. We are the church, but uh, the house where we worship, our house of worship. And it's a big deal to be able to, to give toward that. And I want to remind us about the church, what the church is and why it's important uh, so that we can continue to have the right perspective uh, on what we're doing here and and why we're doing it Ephesians 4 11 says and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we henceforth be no more children "'Tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine "'by the sleight of men and cunning craftiness, "'whereby they lie in wait to deceive. "'But speaking the truth in love, may grow, up into, may, "'may grow up into him in all things, "'which is the head, even Christ, "'from whom the whole body, fitly joined together "'and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, "'according to the effectual working in the measure of every part,' maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Lord, thank you for the opportunity we have to be a part of that body. And thank you, Lord, for the integral part that you want us to play in that body. Help us, Lord, to see our, our spot and to not be absent from that spot, to be giving, to be serving, to be able to be a, a vibrant part Of what you're doing in this local assembly help us lord i pray in jesus name amen ephesians 4 is the classic passage on why the church is so important and what our part is to be within it how we're to function together in many churches today people come to sit to soak and then skedaddle okay that's kind of church on a given sunday morning but that is not a Ephesians 4 model of a church. Uh, we are not, as I've said so many times, we're not just an audience. We are a congregation. We are not spectators. We are participants. As Ephesians 4 says, We are a body of members that are compacted together with every joint supplying something, working together to make increase of the body and edify one another through love. No, this is not just a social club. This is not a place to be because grandpa always did and great-grandpa always did, and I don't want to disappoint mom, uh, and so I just go to church and do my thing. No, 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 we're here because we want to be a vibrant part Of a vibrant body so here's what the church is and here's where we're going this morning very quickly I'll give you the outline then we'll come back and flesh it out the church is a place to minister it's a place to mature and a place to make a difference all right that's where we're we're gonna uh, be looking at let's look first at just that first one the church is a place to minister and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So, uh, here in that, in, in those brief verses, you have the presence of servant leaders that God has given the church: apostles, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Uh, the pastor-teacher gift is usually thought of as one gift, but there are also those who are just teachers. Okay, um, and He gave us these gifts for a reason. Now, Ephesians 2:20 uh, tells us that the apostles and prophets were part of the foundation. And uh, they, they serve their purpose, and they're part of the foundation. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. And so today we operate with evangelists, pastors, and teachers. But why were these <laughs> gifts given? Why, are the, why is there the presence of these gifts in the church? Well, the purpose of these servant leaders is uh, given right in the text. For the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. Now, some people read this as three purposes. So God gave us leaders... And he gave us these leaders for these three reasons he gave them to perfect the saints he gave them to work the ministry and he gave them to edify the body that's not how it actually should be read all right it's two things god gave us the servant leaders for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry and for the edifying of the body do you see the difference there's a comma there and that kind of messes us up uh but the commas Uh, there is no punctuation in the original Greek. You have to understand that. That's uh, given to us just so we can help to understand the flow. But the true way to read this from the Greek grammar would be he gave us uh, these gifts to perfect the saints for the work of the ministry. So I'm a pastor teacher. Uh, I am in this list. Why did God put me in this church? First reason, to perfect you. That means to complete you, to help equip you for the work of the ministry it's not that pastors do all the work of the ministry they equip the saints they do the work and then they edify the body that is not a good model you guys would get fat and happy and pastors just would burn out uh you know that's not how uh, God's smarter than that you know some of you work uh, most of you have jobs and so forth and you understand the structures and and a, a supervisor doesn't do all the work and a manager doesn't do all the work, and, a, and the, the boss doesn't do all the work, but what does he do? He equips, and he, he teaches, and he trains, and he helps to encourage and exhort the people to do the work in their various fields, and then what happens? Stuff gets done. So it is with the church. God drew it up for the, for the servant leaders to perfect the saints for the work of the ministry, and to edify the body of Christ. So what do we need to take away from this? Simply, every child of God who's a part of a local New Testament church ought to be in ministry. You ought to be serving. You ought to be allowing yourself to be equipped and perfected to serve. That's what pastors and teachers and evangelists are trying to do. They're trying to help you so that you can help others. We believe at Ann Arbor Baptist Church that God's philosophy is every member ministry. And when every member sees themselves as a minister, let me tell you, the results are exponential, exponential. People get stuff done, people serve, people meet needs, people communicate, people pray, people bear one another's burdens, and a lot of times I find in this church that by the time I find about a need, I'm finding about it after it was already met, and I I think that's a great thing, that's a wonderful thing, to know that God's people see themselves as ministers, And I get to pour myself into you so that you can pour yourself into others. So pastors and teachers are given to perfect the saints for the work of the ministry and to edify the body of Christ. That means my job is to build you up, to strengthen you. Not break you down, but to see you strengthened and thriving. This is what God's called me to do. And I'll tell you, the edification process of the believer is accelerated as you're serving others. The more you serve others, the more you need to get answers. The more questions people have for you, the more questions you're going to go look up, and you're going to grow because you're helping others grow. And it's just a beautiful thing. I, as the pastor, I'm working to edify you, you're working to edify others, and you continue to grow as you serve others. But I'll tell you if you don't serve, you will stagnate. It's not God's plan. The church is a place to serve, to minister. As you minister to others, he ministers to you. So my question first off is if the church is a place to minister, do you have a ministry mindset or do you have a consumer mindset? Don't come to church and be sitting here looking around. Oh, that doesn't get five stars on Yelp. You know, oh that was that was tacky. Or oh, that, oh, that oh they need to shore that up. Uh, how about volunteer? How about give your expertise? How about say, there's a need and that's my background. Uh, I'll go talk to the pastor and see if I can help and, and we can move this thing forward. Uh, this, we're, we're, we're not set up to just uh, have a consumer mindset. We're, we're set up to have a body fitly joined together and compacted mindset. So first of all, the church is a place to minister But secondly, it is a place to mature. And as I already mentioned, the more you minister, the more you mature. They go together. Well, what does verse 13 teach us? Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that that we henceforth be, no more children tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the sight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. This little phrase is talking about maturity. The maturing process that takes place in the local church within the body. So the church is a place to minister, and the church is a place to mature. And the first question uh, that comes up is how long? How long was, must we be in this maturing process? Well, it's on the screen behind me till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto the perfect man. In other words, it's going to be a while. Okay, the maturing process is a lifelong pursuit of Jesus Christ. And uh, uh, we're going to continue to grow in our unity, continue to grow in the unity of the faith that happens as we increase our knowledge of the Son of God with a goal of Christ's likeness. What are we trying to do here in a church? We're trying to grow in Christ's likeness, and the goal is the perfect man. Not that I am the perfect man or trying to be a perfect man, but I am striving after him who was and is perfect under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And thank God, because of his Spirit that is in me, he's given me what I need to grow in faith and strengthen and continue to move forward. The maturing process is a lifelong pursuit of Jesus Christ that we do together in local assemblies. The text also teaches us that the maturing process won't let you stay a perpetual child. You know, it's not okay to not grow up. Sorry, uh, Peter Pan. <laughs> it's not okay. I think some Christians want to live in Never- Neverland. Is that what it is, Neverland? okay uh just we just want to be kids forever that's not god's will for you he says that we be henceforth no more children god wants you to grow he wants you to grow up he wants you to become spiritually mature why so that you can help others to grow up and become mature and the process can, can continue this maturing process that happens within a local church will not let you stay a child. And I'll tell you, any church, this church or any church, that allows, not allows, that's the wrong word, that, that caters to immaturity, it has an has a unbiblical philosophy. If you can go to a church for 20 years, And never be encouraged to grow up as a Christian and put down deeper roots of faith. Something is missing in that church. You should be uncomfortable sometimes. You should have to go home and think about something a few times. You should have to pray about some things. And there should be some decisions that you are brought to where God is strengthening your faith and you are... You are not just staying the same. Folks, you expect your kids to grow up. So does God. It's not okay to to stay spiritually immature, tossed to and fro and carried around by every wind of doctrine. You know, the church, we are told in Scripture, is the pillar and ground of the truth. Isn't it great to be grounded? I'll tell you, I don't mind a boat once in a while, I endure planes when I have to fly in them. I don't like to fly. I like the ground. And I remember when we got home from Cambodia, <clears throat> I, I, the first thing I did is I got down and yes I did, I kissed the ground. I don't care how germy it was, I was back in America and I was back on something solid Oh, everybody thought I was crazy but hey that's where I'm at on this thing I like to be grounded not moving all around and so it is folks in the theological realm if you get your theology from Facebook and your doctrine from Twitter and uh, if you get your devotions from YouTube now those things can help if you know where to go and you know what you're doing there are some useful things on all of those platforms, but I'll tell you that the Bible says the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. We need to be involved, be plugged in, and help uh, and, and, and growing together. The maturing process won't let you stay a kid forever. <laughs> uh, Hebrews 5.11 says, Of whom we may have many things to say, hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing, for for in the time you ought to be teachers you have need that one teach you again now that's really sad can you imagine if the apostle paul showed up here and said wow i thought you guys would have been teachers by now and the time has come that we actually need you but you're not ready so we have to teach you again sit down oh, that'd be that'd be crushing that's what he's saying and, and, uh, not saying it's necessarily paul uh, that's whoever wrote hebrews many of us think it's paul but regardless the holy spirit then uh, so ye have need that one teach you again which be the first principles of oracles of god and are become as uh, you're become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat for everyone that is useful in milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness for he is a babe but strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. He's, he's basically making the analogy, you don't serve meat to a baby, a will gum it forever and not going to get a thing out of it. You serve meat to the one who has some, some age, and has some use, the the teeth and the jaws are strong enough to chew that meat, and they've come to a place of maturity where they can handle that. And so it is, spiritually, you stay a babe in Christ, you're going to just be able to comprehend the milk of the word. But praise God for the sincere milk of the word. But there's also some meat God wants you to chew on. And folks, as we get involved in local church ministry, God helps us to mature and grow. It's a lifelong pursuit of Jesus where we won't stay a perpetual spiritual child. We're grounded in what is true, and that protects us from error. And also you see this phrase, but speaking the truth in love, the maturing process requires speaking the truth in love. Without speaking the truth in love, how will we grow up into him in all things? And without being an active part of a local church, how will you consistently even be subjected to truth spoken in love? I have heard from you folks truth spoken in love that has helped me. I have heard from you folks truth that was not spoken in love that has helped me. Okay? And that's where we need to have grace for one another because we're not always going to be as loving as we should be and don't be that one who says, "I went to church and someone said this to me and it hurt my feel bads, and I'm going to leave the church." That's what we call them in our family. You hurt my feel bads, uh, and you run off to go get hurt at the next church. Just recognize, folks, if if there's some truth that someone gives to you, maybe they didn't even do it in love, maybe they didn't even do it the right way. Be humble, take it, chew on it, let God use that. But there's preaching. There's teaching, there's doctrine, there's all sorts of avenues for this within a local church context whereby we can mature. Let me ask you, are you maturing as a Christian? Are you maturing as a Christian? Are you maturing in your faith? Are you maturing in your love? So many of us have such fickle, fickle love. We have a Hollywood understanding of love. We've not matured to a biblical idea of God's love. Are you maturing in your security in Christ's love for you, his acceptance of you? Are you willing to receive and even seek out truth that is spoken in love? I know some some folks, they recognize, they've learned that feedback is helpful, truth spoken to me is helpful, and I'm going to seek it out. Others have learned, unfortunately, a very defensive posture. All negativity is horrible. Uh, I have to put all, anything that could be considered remotely negative has to be pushed out of my life. And then you end up with an echo chamber and then you end up wounded for life and you will not develop and you will not mature. And I'll tell you, uh, the church of the living God is not not just an echo chamber where we hear what we want to hear. no, we hear what god wants us to hear and that means we're always being confronted with truth that will change our lives whether it's from the pulpit or conversations after church or in a one-on-one bible study or whatever it may be in god's church he is using truth spoken in love to mature us why is what we're doing at Anabaptist church important because it's his body and it's his church and what he uh, wants to do in this this threefold Ephesians 4 uh, uh, purpose is that the church would be a place to minister and the church would be a place to mature. Are you maturing? And thirdly, the church is a place to make a difference. It's a place to make a difference. I tell you, people are looking for an opportunity to make a difference in this world. There's something in us. Everyone has it in them somewhere that you want to know your life counted for something. You want to know that you're leaving something behind that that the world is going to be a better place somehow for my being here you know there's that, that's in there why because god, that's how god god uh, designed us and i look at what people do to make a difference who don't have jesus and they're just taking a stab at this and they're taking a stab at that and, and, and a lot of it is not making a difference and it's sad but i'll tell you this if jesus christ is the head of a body and i am a part of that body, and he gives me an opportunity to to play a a part in that body and the effectiveness of that body is supposed to do. Well, then I have a place and I can make a difference that counts for eternity. Verse 16, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted. I like that word compacted, squished. If you're feeling squished on a Sunday morning, praise God. That's verse 16 right there. Just compact right in. Uh, we are trying to open things up a little bit here, uh, but Lord willing, we'll get there. But every joint, uh, uh, fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body under the edifying of itself in love. you ever had a pinky out of joint? man, that hurts, that little guy. Or the pinky toe, that's even worse. If you stub your pinky toe or break your little toe, the whole body can be crippled for a bit there as you work through that thing. And don't tell me that there's an insignificant part of your body because when that thing gets out of joint or under pain, the whole body can come to a screeching halt. Not everybody is the bicep you know. Not everybody is the, the, the powerful thighs. Somebody is a pinky toe. <laughs> I'm just the pinky toe of the church. Yeah, that's me. Uh, that's pretty important for balance and for so many other things. So much is taken for granted. You know how it is with your body. You take things for granted until it doesn't work. When I hurt my elbow, doing deadlifts the wrong way, you, know, you I had bent elbows and I went up and snapped my wrist, snapped my elbows. Don't do that. Uh, Boy, that hurt. And then for for weeks afterwards, I would come to my office, turn the handle to go in my office and I couldn't do it. I couldn't turn the handle to go in my office. I had to use the other hand. That's when you know, wow, I have something in there. (laughs) I never thought about that before, but that really hurts. And I guess I, I needed that thing. Who knew I needed that thing to open my door to get into my office? So it is with the body of Christ. There is nobody in here that's insignificant. There's nobody in here that God doesn't have a specific job for you to do that's so important. But we oftentimes sell ourselves short, and by doing so, we sell the whole thing short. Let's look at some key concepts from this verse. You have the the idea of wholeness. We are not just a bunch of individuals. Yes, we're individuals, but there is a collective whole. And I like that. I love to see how God speaks to our church and and leads us to take on a missionary. God leads us as a whole to move forward uh, in a given project. Say, for instance, the Family Ministry Center. It was exciting last Sunday to see the whole body moving together. And, and, and continuing to see that even today. We are whole. There's also oneness in this passage. The whole body. It's not uh, that, that, that it, it's multiple bodies. There's one body of Christ, multiple local assemblies. But there's a oneness here that we have. And when you look at how many diversities we have and how, much, how many different backgrounds we have, uh, to think that God can make us one in him is divine. Only God could do that. I marvel about it all the time because as the pastor, I'm working with you guys on a more uh, intimate level, working through things, and I, as I get to know you folks, I, I, and I think, wow, how did all these people get together? How do we continue to, to make this thing work every Sunday? We are very different, but we are one body. There's wholeness, there's oneness, there's closeness fitly joined together and compacted. You've got your spot in the body of Christ and it is exciting when you can walk into church, someone can see you and they just know something, something's wrong and they walk right up to you and they say, hey, are you okay? How was your week? And you share your heart. And next thing you know, you're praying. And that kind of stuff happens in church. Why? Because we're close. We're walking together. And we're, we're getting to know one another. We're not all close with everybody. I, I understand that. You're closer with some than you are with others. But I trust we're growing in that closeness with as many folks as we can and, and carrying one another's burdens. There's closeness. There's usefulness. You know, when you go to church, this is one place where you ought to feel useful. Every joint supplieth is the phrase. And if you don't feel useful, let's keep working toward finding what God has given you to do in this body. It might take us a while. To, we might have to try a couple of things, and well, that nope, well, that's not it. <laughs> well, that's not it. But you know, God's going to help us if we'll hang in there. God's going to help you find where you can serve and how God would use you to your best. Uh, according to his, his, his gifting in you. There's wholeness, there's oneness, there's closeness, there's usefulness, there's helpfulness in the body. The effectual working and the measure of every part. Every part has something to do that helps the whole. Every part is helping to further the whole. It could be prayer, it could be encouragement. Some of you bring meals. Others of you have a card ministry. Some of you are great over the phone and and text messages. I get some texts from you guys out of the blue. Pastor praying for you today. That's that's an encouragement. As we do that to one another, we are helping the, the, uh, the entire body according to the effectual working in every part. We're helping the whole go forward. There's also fruitfulness in the body. Fruitfulness, maketh increase of the body. Hey, I think it's exciting that you get to be a part of this body bearing fruit. A lot of churches think that when they hire their pastor, they've also hired their soul, soul winner. He's the guy who's going to lead all the souls to Christ. He's the one who's going to build this ministry. And certainly, he's going to do everything he can. But the Bible says in chapter 4, verse 16, it is every member of the body that is making the increase of the body. That's increase... In size, increase in spiritual depth, increase in maturity, any kind of increase you want to talk about, it's you folks who have a part in that process. There's wholeness, there's oneness, there's closeness, usefulness, helpfulness, fruitfulness, and finally, kindness under the edifying of itself in love. And let's be honest, we're not always the kindest people, we're sinners saved by grace but i tell you that this i have experienced more kindness in the church than i have outside of it i've experienced so much grace and so much love so much mercy people who have been so thoughtful it just brings you to tears why because the body is actually supposed to edify itself As as chapter eleven and sorry, verse eleven and twelve said that the pastor is to edify the body, that's supposed to happen, but also the body is supposed to edify the body. Who have you built up in this body this week, this month? And don't sit back and say, Well, I'm not going to do anything because nobody's building me up. That is not a way forward. You go build somebody up, God will take care of you and He will build you up as you're building others up. I'm not going to serve. No one's serving me. Folks, if Jesus had that heart, He'd still be in heaven and we'd still be lost. There would have been no crucifixion, there would have been no resurrection. I'm going to wait until those sinners really have reached out to me and, uh, you know, before I reach out to them. Folks, that's not the Christian model. The model of the Christian, the model of the church, is to do what Jesus did. It is to say, I'm gonna serve you if I never get served. I'm gonna to minister to you because Christ ministered to me. I'm gonna edify you if I never get edified. By the grace of God, I'm gonna love and serve and, and continue to be a part of this body. And I'll tell you what, if you have that heart, God's gonna to minister to you and God's gonna build you up. You know, I, I like basketball, you guys know that. <clears throat> I wore a jersey all the way through high school with a number 10. I still have it at home somewhere, I think. Did it finally die? Maybe the dog ate it or something, but number 10 was my, was my number. And I, when I put on that jersey, man, oh, I just felt like a million bucks. Go out and play basketball. Um, I didn't want to be a fan waving a towel with a team T-shirt. I wanted to be a player on court with a team jersey. There is a difference. And I believe Jesus has invited each of us to put on a jersey, to be a part of the team. You're not just a fan, you're not just a, a spectator. You are an integral part of his body. Everyone is needed. Everyone. Are you doing what God has asked you to do in the body? Do you know what your part is? Are you maybe out of joint? Hey, that happens. I get out of joint too, definitely. And God has to put me back in joint and sometimes I need a little bit of help uh, getting back in joint. That's okay, we can work through it. We're a body. We're gonna heal together. We're gonna work together. Are you wearing a t-shirt or a jersey? Let's get in the game together and let God use us to make a difference three things I want to wrap up with here before we transition into the uh, the celebration offering this morning what we are a part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is important folks it's important It was so important that Jesus gave himself for it. Think of that. He gave his blood for the church. So what we're doing matters. So the next question is, do you recognize your part in the local church? Uh, Do you you see it as uh, your place? Have you found a home? And if not, hey, let's talk. Let's work together to see you plugged in to either this local body or a local body near your place where you can serve effectively. I want to ask you, will you embrace the privilege of serving one another within the local body? This local body, if you're, if you're, if you're local, if not, another local body is totally fine. But I want to ask you to see the opportunity to be a part of something real and vibrant that Christ is the head of and to know that you're making a difference. The church is a place to minister. It's a place to mature, and it's a place to make a difference. Lord, help us to see the importance of what we're doing in coming to church, but not just coming to church, but being the church. Being that body that edifies, that serves, that ministers, that grows. Lord, I thank you. And I pray that you would just take us uh, further in this journey of faith. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Before Pastor Drew plays, and he's going to play in a moment, I want to uh, give some guidance concerning the, the offering and uh, that we're about to take. And as I said, I'm super excited. I can't believe that we're finally here to this Sunday, June 25th. We've been talking about this since January. But with the context of What the church is, why it's important, and what it means to Jesus Christ. I hope that we are coming into this day uh, with the right perspective that this is about Him. This is our opportunity uh, to celebrate His goodness in our lives. It's a privilege. You know, not every church is growing, a lot of churches are shrinking. And uh, uh, this is not an indictment on them. That's between them and the Lord. There are various situations. There's all kinds of obstacles and challenges. But God is growing our church, and God is, is, is helping us find a way forward. And uh, I believe as we grow, we need to embrace the opportunity to steward what he's given us by faith and uh, uh, t- to, as a body, move forward by faith. As I mentioned before, We have received pledges for the expansion building project, Family Ministry Center, uh, over a million dollars over the next three years, which is just absolutely staggering. But we obviously have a ways to go, and we still have more miracles, and that is how it was when the children of Israel crossed the Jordan River, right? The, The waters split, and they went over on dry ground, but they still had to go to Jericho. And they still had to go to AI. And they still had multiple miracles to come. And I believe that's going to be our pilgrimage as well. So as we seek to move forward, uh, it was on my heart uh, all the way at the beginning that we wouldn't just do a three-year commitment, but we would also do a one-time celebration offering over and above that three-year commitment to help us to be able to get a little bit more momentum on the front side, uh, to, to kick, kick off I should say kick off the campaign decisively, and I've asked you all to pray about this. And I want to say there's no pressure on anybody to be a part of, of any of this. This is something that God needs to stir your heart about. And if he hasn't stirred your heart, uh, wait till he does. And I, I'm hoping that this, op- this opportunity we have before us this morning is not seen as that of necessity, that no one would give grudgingly, but they would truly give out of excitement and celebration. If that's your heart, uh, then I am excited with you. Um, so, so again, some, some, uh, I want to give some verses as we prepare for this because I want to make sure that I don't take for granted that, that you have the right perspective on what we're doing, all right? Uh, I don't want to assume where you're at. And there, I know there's various maturity levels and backgrounds and so forth. And so um, I want to a- answer some questions you might have why are we doing what we're doing today? Why a sacrificial offering? And why public? Why are we doing this publicly? Uh, you know, and why are we doing this now for this project? Uh, what about other projects, etc., etc.? et, cetera, et cetera? Um, Well, let's talk about Matthew 6 for a moment because Matthew 6 gives us a warning that I believe we need to heed as we take an offering like this. The Bible says, Take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven therefore when thou doest thine alms do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory of men verily i say unto you they have their reward but when thou doest alms let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth that thine alms may be in secret and thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly and then it goes into prayer. I'll come back. Well, let's read that. And then when thou prayest, uh, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. And he talks about how they pray openly and, and, and to be seen of men. And he says, uh, it, that's not what this is about. He said, you should go into your closet rather than pray to be seen of men. So as we take a public offering, I believe that there are biblical precedents for that. And I'm going to go into that in a moment. But I don't want to assume that there couldn't be someone here with there could be the wrong motive we're not doing this to be seen of men Uh, the 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 Matthew chapter 6 takeaway is this what you do cannot be for vain show it cannot be to be seen or for glory of men is what it says otherwise you have your reward and then uh some might say well then should we not be doing this at all Well, I would say no, because that's not what the text is saying. Uh, It it goes on to talk about prayer in the same exact way. So whatever you take from the giving passage, you have to also take from the prayer passage. Do we all pray in our closets exclusively? No, we don't. But the passage says, don't let your left hand know what the right hand is doing with giving. And when you pray, go into your closet, right? Uh, Well, there's another verse that says, I will that men pray everywhere in 1 Timothy. Lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Uh, so we know that we can pray everywhere. So why would he tell us, to, you can only pray in your closet. And when you give, your right hand can't know what your left hand is doing. He's using some hyperbole here to make a very firm point. We're not doing what we're doing for a public show. And that's not what this Sunday is about. We're not doing what we're doing today for a public show uh, to strut our stuff up to the front and, and sound a trumpet before us and make a big show. Remember that he talked about the widow's mite who gave all of her living in one little widow's mite, and, but the others came with pomp and circumstance. And uh, God wasn't into that. And folks, I don't want anybody to lose their blessing this morning. That's why I'm going here this, this morning. I don't want to assume that we're all on the same page. We need to be on the same page. What we're doing today is not for the glory of men. What we're doing today is corporate because there's corporate precedent for giving as a celebration to God, and, and, and I'm gonna get into that right now. There were, several, there were several corporate offerings in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, and there's a place for that. There are times where the church, or and before the church was in existence, the, the people of God came together corporately to, to, as a sign of unity, as a sign of, of decisiveness and, and just to, to, to be able to have that assurance of the whole is moving forward. And you see that multiple times when they built the tabernacle. You see them coming forward publicly and as a whole. And it was also a time of celebration. They rejoiced as they gave and they sang as they gave and they played instruments as they gave. And it was not a vain show, it was a celebration of worship to the Lord. Uh, and M- M- Moses, Exodus 35, 4. And Moses spake to the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord commanded, saying, Take ye from among you an offering unto the Lord, whosoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it, an offering to of the Lord, gold and silver and brass. And they came, verse 21, Every one whose heart stirred him up "'and everyone whom his spirit made willing, "'and they brought the Lord's offering "'to the work of the tabernacle of the congregation "'and for all his service and for the holy garments. "'And they came, both men and women, "'as many as were willing-hearted, "'brought bracelets and earrings and rings and tablets, "'all jewels of gold, "'and every man that offered an offering of gold unto the Lord.'" And, and uh, they, they ended up having an incredible response And of course the tabernacle was built and the the work went forward those folks though also needed to have the right heart motive look at all of my stuff I'm giving that wasn't what it was about and I don't think it was for them I believe that they were simply rejoicing corporately together but it was a public offering because this was a big deal they're about to build the tabernacle well then you have David and he builds the temple. Well, he doesn't build the temple. He gives an offering for the temple. Solomon built the temple. But David says in chapter 29, verse 14 of First Chronicles, but who am I and what is my people that we should be able to, so, to offer so willingly after the sword, for all things come of thee and of thine own hand have we given thee. Do you see pride there? I don't see pride there. He's saying, look at what I was able to give to God. No, he's saying, I'm only giving to God what he already gave to me. Who am I that God would let me do this? That's humility. That's that's what we want this morning. For we are strangers before thee and sojourners, as were all our fathers. Our days on the earth are as a shadow and there is none abiding. O Lord, our God, all this door that we have prepared to build thee in house for thine holy name cometh of thine hand and is all thine own. I can resonate with that because everything I'm putting in the offering today, God gave me for this offering today. And I'm humbled I can't believe it. It's like uh, we prayed and we trusted and God gave wisdom and God began to provide and more came in than we even had a goal uh, of what would come in. It's it's humbling, it's amazing, but it's faith building. It's exciting. He says, I know also my God that thou tryest the heart. There it is. And hast pleasure in uprightness. So therefore, remember, God is looking at our heart. This needs to be about him and what he has done. And we're celebrating today on Celebration Sunday, his bounty, and we go forward to uh, bring it back to him. And hopefully we can say, as David said, as for me, in the uprightness of mine heart, I have willingly offered all these things. And so there it is. To be able to have that statement, that's our goal that I have, a, I have a heart motive that is pure. I'm not doing what I'm doing for, for glory or for my own sake. This is for him. And he says, And now have I seen with joy thy people, which are presented here to offer willingly unto thee. That's what we are on the cusp of doing this morning. Us, the people, joined together for this corporate offering of worship, and it's, it's, it's marking a decisive step forward of faith of our people you know when Nehemiah went to rebuild the temple he didn't go by himself he made sure he had all the people that would go with him and Ezra came later and built the temple Nehemiah was doing the wall Ezra, Ezra and Zerubbabel did the did the uh, the temple they do it didn't do it by themselves there was a lot of people who came there were offerings that were given and then when Nehemiah actually did the building of the wall The people actually had their own section of the wall they they gave publicly and then they served publicly and they did this all together pastor drew and i were talking about how the people would come uh to give their offerings once a year and they had psalms of ascent and they would sing these they would come together and worship together and guess what it's hard to have a private offering when you're towing along your bullock you know so what does that guy do he has his reward because everybody saw his bullock. no they were rejoicing with these psalms of ascent. They were singing and praising God. One guy had a couple of doves. Another guy had a bullock. No one's judging. They're moving forward, just rejoicing. Everyone's rejoicing. We're all going to the temple together to worship our God and to give these sacrifices to him. And you have, a, the last one I wanted to mention was, you do have the, in the New Testament, uh, Acts chapter 4, you've got the, the, uh, the, the church giving an offering together that was definitely of a more public nature. It says, "...the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power and great... Uh, uh, gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought... Uh, the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet and distribution was made unto every man according as he has need. And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. They were bringing things to the apostles' feet. The apostles would distribute that and uh, they did it for the Lord. It wasn't to make Barnabas' name big. But one chapter later, there was a couple who took this the wrong way. That's what I want to avoid this morning. There was a couple who saw what Barnabas did. He sold land and gave it, and uh, you know that, wow, and I, everybody thinks he's really spiritual. Well, I want to be really spiritual. And so they lied to the people and the Holy Ghost. They sold land, and they said that they gave it for so much, but they, it, was, it was a lie, and Peter knew it was a lie, and therefore they were judged very decisively for that in acts chapter 5 and peter said that's that, that's he said while it was your own you could do whatever you wanted with it but don't lie what's the theme of all of this there are times in the scriptures where god's people have a decisive job to do there's a work that we're calling us to do and we need to know that we are together On this project whatever it is and in a celebration of God's goodness and faith we come forward and we give but we do need to do so with the right heart motive and it can't be like Ananias and Sapphira and it cannot be like the Pharisees we ought to do it as David as for me in the uprightness of my heart I have willingly offered all these things and now I have seen with joy thy people which are present here to offer willingly unto thee folks It's a great privilege to be able to just offer back what he's given. We don't give all of our offerings publicly, but we're about to do something that is kind of a Jordan River level thing. And we kind of just need to know that we've all prayed together, we've sought the Lord together, and we're going to rejoice together as we cross this bridge. Actually, it's not a bridge. (laughs) As God opens the waves and, and allows us to come forward together. So I'm asking that you would do as 2 Corinthians 9, 7 states, every man, according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. It is a joy to be able to give together as a church. If God has led you, if God has stirred your heart, if God has led according to the purpose that he has put in your heart, we want to have that opportunity and we're actually uh, uh john i'm going to change things a little bit we're actually going to sing he is good while we while we give uh because this is let's be our psalm of ascent okay as we come forward uh, andrew pastor drew will play he is good and uh we'll have our opportunity to give at that time before right before you do let's have a word of prayer sorry pastor drew was that i don't know if we have envelopes but anything that you put in these uh baskets up in the front uh will go toward this offering all right so anything that goes in the in the basket it will unless otherwise marked will be for the uh the sacrifice offering let's have a word of prayer lord thank you for the opportunity to celebrate your goodness together lord you are good you have given us an opportunity as a church to be able to move forward and uh, we recognize that all of this comes of you And the fact that we're even here today celebrating your goodness is is just a testimony to the fact that you are faithful, you are merciful, and your grace is abounding. Lord, we, we look to you now. We thank you for that which you've given to us that we can give back to you at this time. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Would you bless now, give wisdom and leadership in Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing together. Amen. He is good. Let's stand for a word of prayer. If you're not already doing so, it is, it is a privilege to be a part of Ann Arbor Baptist Church. I'm thrilled that God has put my family and I here. Uh, it's been an amazing journey. I never saw myself being a pastor. I saw myself being an evangelist till the very end. And then John Van Gelderen ruined my life. No, <laughs> no he didn't. But he was the one who made the phone call. He was the one who made the phone call to say, "Hey, I think you got to pray about, uh, Arbor Baptist Church," and uh, that turned my life upside down. But it has been good; every bit of it's been good. Our family has loved being a part of this church, and it's been it's been an incredible home, and incredible to see what God is doing. So much to pray about, so much to celebrate, so much to rejoice in, and uh, this is just the beginning. Uh, and and so much whatever came in t- today. Again, it's just the beginning. This is not the final numbers, as folks will, I'm sure, continue to give in cards. Uh, if you didn't get your card in from last week, you can put that in the basket or give it to one of the deacons, and that number will also be counted. Uh, but we are we're on a, a very exciting journey of faith, and I'm so glad that you are on this journey with myself and my wife and our family. Well, I hope you can stay for the, uh, the luncheon I'm looking at the clock. I got done earlier than I told Rachel. So I don't know what that's going to do, but we'll find out. Maybe don't rush to get down there. Just shake a hand or two and, uh, you know, walk slow. Uh, But Pastor Barbara got done early. Mark it down. Um, So we'll celebrate that as well. Uh, uh, But Celebration Sunday will be down the hall. We'll have some food, And I didn't mention this, we are going to uh, hear at the very beginning testimonies from the kids who just got back from camp. I want to squeeze that in. Uh, As we look to the future, building buildings and so forth, uh, why are we doing that? For the lives that, 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 that it represents. And the teenagers, young people are part of that future, so we want to give them an opportunity first to give some testimonies. So we'll do that sing a song or two and then there will be opportunity for you to give a testimony specifically about the Family Ministry Center journey that God has put you on Uh, what has he taught you how has he stretched your faith we'll take some testimonies in that regard while the men are counting the offering and at the end of our testimony time we'll post that number and have our grand total of where we're at so far Uh, following that we'll go outside for prayer on the ground and have our ice cream and uh, then tonight we'll take the night off it's been quite a, a week And uh, I'm very excited. So let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have to be a part of your church. Lord, it is a place that we can minister. It's a place that we can mature. It's a place that we can make a difference. I pray, Lord, that we would get involved, that we'd plug in, that we'd grow together, that we'd uh, be able to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Lord, thank you for what you've enabled us to do in kicking off this giving campaign, or we rejoice in the commitments that have come in. We rejoice, Lord, uh, in whatever came in for the offering and whatever will continue to come in. And we just pray, Lord, that uh, you would keep our eyes on you, that in all things you would have the preeminence. Lord, this was not about uh, uh, individuals and what we have accomplished. This was about what you have accomplished through our church for your glory bless now the food and the fellowship we pray in Jesus name amen god bless you we'll see you down the fellowship hall